What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. Oh, baby! <laughs> what is up, Buffalo Fanatics? Z-Bot here with you. Live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel on a victory. Monday night, and that, of course, can only mean one thing. It is the smoke break powered by BetUS, where the game begins. Receive a 125% sign-up bonus in the link in the description below. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in fresh off an absolute beatdown, a drubbing, a domination. A bullying. Fill in the blank. Have we seen anything quite like what the Buffalo Bills have done yesterday against the Dallas Cowboys in recent time from these Buffalo Bills? And that includes dominating the Washington Commanders, dominating the Miami Dolphins, dominating the Las Vegas Raiders. We have seen our fair share of dominant football from these Buffalo Bills, but when you factor in the circumstance, when you factor in who it was against, when you factor in how the Buffalo Bills did what they did yesterday, it was one of the more improbable yet impressive performance performances I have ever seen from these Buffalo Bills. And that, of course, culminated and resulted in a Buffalo Bills victory to improve to eight and six. As they beat the Dallas Cowboys 31 to 10 in Orchard Park in a game where I went into it feeling confident. I was at that game yesterday and boy, what a game it was to be at. That was a special one to be in attendance for. It was Caroline's first ever game at the Ralph and she got a treat. Everyone in attendance got a treat outside of the abundant amount of Dallas Cowboys fans that were there. Apologies. I sat on the visitor's sideline for this game, and I'm glad I did. You know, it's rare that that ends up turning into a positive experience, but I will say the blend of what the Bills did on the field and then adding in the fact that the Cowboys fans around me were really cool people, really funny people, having a blast laughing at half the stuff I had to say, which I thought was great. You don't run into that very often. But then, of course, the dash of watching them watch that beat down from the other side. Man, oh, man, what a day it was yesterday. Despite the awful weather, it rained the whole game. I was soaked from head to toe. I couldn't have been happier to have been outdoors in the elements to witness an absolute embarrassment by the hands of the Buffalo Bills delivered signed sealed first class no one needed you know no one needs to sign for it I guess we'll just leave it at your front door if you don't want to come and take it that type of beatdown 31-10 I'd argue that the, 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 the proper score is 31-3 to the Dallas Cowboys don't get their lone touchdown till after I had left the stadium What are the odds of that? The Cowboys don't even put a touchdown on the board until I'm halfway to the car because I'm looking at Caroline saying, this baby's over. Let's go beat the traffic 
and get out of here with a dub. So I, in in person, watched that game up until what? The eight-minute mark, whatever, in the fourth quarter. I didn't even see the Dallas Cowboys Cowboys score a touchdown. I still sit here right now about 40 or 24 hours, rather, to the minute removed from that game. I'm still as dumbfounded right now as I was in the moment as to how the Buffalo Bills did what they did. I'll start by saying I'm not shocked at all that they won. The Dallas Cowboys, and we've talked about them on here a lot throughout the year because they have been a team, in my opinion, that has been the NFC version of the Miami Dolphins. And ironically enough, those two will face off this coming week with a combined one win against a winning opponent this season. That, of course, is the Cowboys' win last week over the Philadelphia Eagles. The other 20-ish games I believe they have combined this year against winning teams, they have a lot they have lost. Or I think it goes even beyond this year. It backs into last year. Either way, you have two teams that when they are playing their best football and when they are playing their best football against the dregs of the league, they look like the best team in sports. The Miami Dolphins have done that all year. In fact, they did that just yesterday against the New York Jets after an embarrassing loss last week an absolute collapse in the fourth quarter against the Tennessee Titans. That was very un-Miami Dolphins-like, believe it or not, because they usually do what they did yesterday. Take a team like the New York Jets, who are abysmal, and make it look like they are as abysmal as they are. They won 30 to nothing. And the Dallas Cowboys have done that all year long. They've done it to the, to the New York Giants, the Washington Commanders, you name it. They have beaten the worst of the worst in prolific fashion. 15 straight victories at home as well. And they're averaging, what, just south of 40 points at home this year? I mean, those aren't aren't just random, you know, you fall fall, uh, backwards and land into those type of stats. you got to be a good team in order to be able to achieve those type of numbers. That's what's so mind-boggling about both these teams. You know, you put Miami right up there as well. You score 70 against Denver, right? When you're playing these bad teams, you're almost guaranteed 30 points. The stats are off the charts. That's what makes it so mind-boggling how both of these teams can do what they do consistently against really terrible opponents and then on that same consistency level go up against decent opponents and look like a shell of themselves. But yesterday was something completely different. We've seen Dallas choke against decent teams, good teams. We've seen Miami do the same. But isn't it ironic that both those teams came to Buffalo this year and both got utterly embarrassed. The ass-kicking of the weekend for both those teams when they came to Buffalo, they were the representative of, my God, that's embarrassing, in their respective weekends that they came and played the Buffalo Bills in Orchard Park. And it just so, it just so happens to be the Miami Dolphins coming around the corner again in a couple weeks for a game that we all but are certain at this point could be the biggest game of the year for both teams. We'll talk about that, of course, throughout the night because the playoff picture continues to get increasingly more interesting, increasingly more artistic for us Buffalo Bills fans. The picture continues to spread. It continues to become more vibrant and colorful. It's a picture you want to start hanging on your wall. You want to start clearing off space, wondering where you're going to put that majestic mosaic because that picture right now is being painted with a broad stroke 
And yesterday might have been the biggest stroke of them all in the last couple of weeks. Let's talk about what the Buffalo Bills have done in these last couple of weeks. Let's talk about what they've done ever since they have moved on from Ken Dorsey and allowed Joe Brady to take over this team. Because at first I had felt how much different could it be? Joe Brady, obviously already on the staff. And with that, how much of a change can happen from one coordinator to the next when you're already three quarters into your season? But we had talked about the fact that it might not be Joe Brady coming in with this brand new playbook. What might need to happen is just the little things that it seemed Ken Dorsey was incapable of implementing. Ever since these Buffalo Bills moved on from Ken Dorsey and implemented Joe Brady as the primary play caller for this offense, these Buffalo Bills respectively had scored 32, 34, 20 in a Chiefs game where we knew that was going to be probably a more of a low scoring battle than we're accustomed to with those two teams, just because of the way those two teams have been playing this season in particular, Kansas city, who now is more aligned on their defense, it seems than their offense. And then 31 yesterday. So we now have a sample size of four games under Joe Brady. Three of the four are victories. And three of the four have the Bills offense scoring 30-plus points. It's been night and day. And I think we all knew the Bills needed to make a change. They absolutely had to, and they did it at the right time. But did we know that it would be this prominent, the results, they would be this noticeable? And it's the little things to me that have not only been noticeable, but have translated into these Buffalo Bills' ability to get out of these games victorious as opposed to putting another loss in the right side column like they had done the several weeks prior before Joe Brady took over. Yesterday, perfect example of what Joe Brady has been able to implement into this offense, and it is simple, folks. Stick with what's working, the hot hand. It felt like under Ken Dorsey, there would be times where things were working, whether it be the play action pass game or Josh Allen's running ability or the running game in general, getting the ball to the running backs in the pass game, et cetera, a variety of different things. There would be signs throughout a game where things were working more than others and they would go away from it and they'd never return to it. It seems lately that Joe Brady sees something that works and he says, why fix what's not broken? We're going to stick with it. And that's exactly what they did yesterday. And they did it to the tune of let's verify the number here. Cause I got to double check and make sure my eyes aren't deceiving me. Yes, sir. 266 yards on the ground. I have never seen a team dominate the line of scrimmage as badly as the Buffalo bills did yesterday. I really don't think I've ever seen it. And I've seen some teams just, outwill the other side. We see it all the time. You know, San Francisco is a great example of that. They seemingly do that every week. That's why Christian McCaffrey is able to be as good as he is. Not only is he as talented as he is, but when you're behind a terrific offensive line, things add up and they usually go in your favor. We know these Buffalo Bills offensively on the line have been better than given credit for this year. It was a big concern last year, right? The Bills offensive line, a big concern. Was it an Achilles heel? for this Bills offense. And many would argue that the answer to that would be yes. And I might've fallen into that category last year. It just wasn't up to the standard that some of these other top teams in the league demand in order to have a highly efficient offense. 
That's not the case this season. This Buffalo Bills offensive line has been pretty damn extraordinary all year long. Josh Allen has had a clean pocket to operate out of almost the entire season. Very seldomly sacked comparatively. You look throughout Josh Allen's career, you look at this year, he is on a, on a much greater pace of not hitting the ground, which is huge. You do not want Josh Allen taking unnecessary hits, but not only that, a cleaner pocket usually leads to a cleaner football game, higher production, a better offensive day. Yesterday was the first opportunity I think we've been given to allow this Bills offense to run the ball almost exclusively and prove that they're capable of doing it. We've seen the numbers from James Cook throughout the year, and there was a point in time not all, not all that long ago, maybe a month or less ago, where James Cook was in the top five amongst running backs with yardage on the ground. He was, a, he was a handful of yards shy from being number two only behind Christian McCaffrey. And if you were like me, you'd look at those numbers and you would just say, man, how is that even possible? It doesn't seem, one, like they've done nearly enough with him in order for him to have those numbers. And two, even if you, you went back and watched every play with him generating those numbers, it never felt like it culminated into the amount in which he had. But then you get a game like yesterday and it all clicks where you understand how good that dude can be. You understand the reason they drafted him. And you understand that when utilized correctly, he is exactly what they wanted and needed for this team. James Cook pretty much single-handedly beat the Dallas Cowboys yesterday. You got Josh Allen after the game saying he feels like the kid in class who didn't do anything in the group project, and the, and the team got an A+. You should, you should savor that soundbite. I don't know if you'll ever hear that again. I hope we do. But truth be told, I never thought I'd hear it once. In a game of that magnitude, no less. Because as we know, and I said this two weeks ago going into the Chiefs game, playoff football starts a little bit earlier in Buffalo than we're accustomed to. Playoff football started last week in Arrowhead. And it continued into this week. It'll continue into SoFi next week. It'll continue back in Orchard Park the following week against the New England Patriots. And it'll come to a head against the Miami Dolphins in Miami week 18. And then we'll, we'll know then and there if the real playoffs start, when they start for these Bills and who they start against. But this is a different season for the Bills. The Bills have had these certain sections, sectors, if you will, this season of different types of team, different types of season almost. And they entered their, their new season. When Ken Dorsey left and Joe Brady took over, and all of a sudden with that, the stakes had never been higher. And they just so happen to be maybe playing some of the best football in the NFL right now. Outside of the San Francisco 49ers, who have been consistently the best team in the league all year long, outside of the brief stint where they lost Debo Samuel and a couple other guys on their offense. They, I mean, they have been the best team in the NFL. Outside of that, there's been different arguments seemingly every week. In fact, we go all the way back to weeks two through four where everybody was talking about the Bills maybe being the best team in the entire NFL. How quickly that went away and it never really came back. But now all of a sudden, it's resurging in a way that I don't think anybody could have predicted when you were watching games like the Denver Broncos game or the New York Giants game or the New England Patriots game. But it's here. And it does not seem to be a fluke, folks. As you know, I love using sample sizes. They're a great indicator 
of what your team currently is. I hate using one standalone game as an indication of what the team is, whether that be good or bad. And that's why I oftentimes want to see a consistent level of whatever it is that was positive, or I need to see a consistent level of eradicating whatever we saw that was negative. But as I mentioned, the departure of Ken Dorsey, here comes Joe Brady. We now have a sample size of four games. That's nearly a quarter of the season. And these Buffalo Bills through that quarter of the season have been playing some of the best football in the NFL. They've been averaging right around 30 points a game. The defense that is as banged up as any defense in the league is not only performing like one of the best defenses in the league, they're overachieving at a level I don't think people still understand. In fact, I think we're starting to take for granted just how unbelievable this defense is playing in regard to the circumstances. I mean, hell, even yesterday, another guy you don't have, Micah Hyde, who we've gotten used to having, which is a lot luxury almost based on his injury history you couldn't even tell yesterday you couldn't have told me you couldn't you could have said anybody was out there yesterday I wouldn't have known it would not have mattered you could have said the Bills defense from week one that was looking like they had the opportunity to maybe be one of the best defenses in recent memory here the way they were playing with Daquan Jones Matt Milano Tredavious White everybody healthy did it look like a tad bit different to you yesterday because what Dallas did on offense yesterday was there's embarrassing and we've seen embarrassing. The Bills have had their share of that. What the Bills did offensively against the Jets week one, right? Every team's got embarrassing games, everybody. But that yesterday, the reason I was so perplexed about what I was seeing was not only, of course, because of what the Bills were doing in the run game, something we're just not accustomed to watching. That type of dominance on the ground. I can't think of another game even remotely close in recent history where the Bills dominated on the, on the ground to that degree. But it wasn't just that. On the other side, it just felt like Dallas never came, never showed up. In fact, I was talking with some of the Cowboys fans around me. I, I, I kept saying to them, I, I don't think, because they thought, I, I don't know what they were thinking. I, I was trying my best not to gloat. I really wa was, because I wasn't. I was as dumbfounded as I could possibly could be. And I kept trying to explain to them, I go, I don't understand this. And they're like, come on. And I'm like, no, no, truly, it doesn't make any sense how the Bills are dominating as much as they are offensively on the ground. But it doesn't, it, even further to me, it didn't make sense how little effort the Dallas Cowboys gave, particularly on offense. Defense, there was almost none to be found the whole game, but you could almost argue that the Bills' offense beat the will out of them early on and they could never regain it. But the Dallas Cowboys' offense, they had, they had nothing. They did nothing. And the narrative surrounding them, and I had talked about this last week, as I'm sure anybody you listened to had, this team is a wildly different team outside of AT&T Stadium for reasons I'm not sure anybody fully knows, but one of them has to be the environment. Obviously, it has to be. When you're accustomed to playing in absolute perfect conditions, and you go to Orchard Park, New York, where one day it could be 80 degrees and the next you could be battling the biggest snowstorm that, you know, humanity's ever seen. You're not going to be in a position to have the weather be consistently on your side or you're not going to be in a position to be able to plan around a particular type of weather. And when you're a team that's used to not having to deal with that, I totally get it that it is certainly a disadvantage. For that to be the entire excuse, though, is absolute BS. As we all know, the weather, everyone's playing in the same weather. 
but it literally seemed like the Dallas Cowboys were the Wicked Witch of the West, and they got a drop of water on them, and they absolutely melted. I have not seen a team perform so poorly with the stature of talent on a roster like that in some time. They were defeated from snap one and never regained it. There was never any adjustments. And it's so weird. You know me. You know the way I talk on here when I say, you know how it goes. The Bills are going to build this one up. Even when they have the lead, you can feel it coming. We talk about that all the time because it's so true. Even when the Bills get the 14-point lead against the Chiefs, right? Or they have the 10-point lead against the Eagles going into the fourth quarter. You're not comfortable. Bills go up 21-3 to at half. I'm in the stadium saying, dude, this is over. This is over. And everybody around me, rightfully so, Bills fans were saying, come on, man, we've seen this movie before. No one's seen that movie more than me. That's why it was so shocking that I had that much confidence, that much belief that I was saying those things. And I firmly believed it. And the reason was not because necessarily what the Bills were doing. It was what the Dallas Cowboys weren't doing. What they displayed in the first 30 minutes of football, they did not give any inclination that they were going to come out in the second half and be able to right the wrongs to eradicate an 18-point deficit without allowing the Bills to score another point and tie this game up. There was not a shot in hell. And they played like that. They played like it. They played like they knew they didn't have a prayer. That was some of the most abysmal football I have signed. That was embarrassing. The Dallas Cowboys, they eliminated any goodwill they bought with the public over the last couple of months, which is saying something because they were looking extraordinary. In particular, Dak Prescott, who was the betting favorite to win the MVP going into yesterday. These are numbers, folks, that he put up yesterday that you could find any quarterback off the street, implement them into the game, and have them come up with similar, if not better, numbers. In fact, we look at Joe Flacco, who quite literally came off the street, and these numbers compared to something like that, it's, it's not even close. Under four yards per attempt on 34 attempts, 21 of 34 for 134 yards. No touchdowns, the late interception, and a quarterback rating of 57.7. This was your MVP going into yesterday, okay? This isn't like, you know, the variety of backups the league is currently watching right now going into yesterday, right? This isn't Easton Stick. This isn't Bailey Zappi. This isn't Mitch Trubisky. This is your MVP favorite yesterday going into Buffalo. And with a dash of wind and a sprinkle of rain, he put out there maybe the worst quarterback performance, not only of the of the weekend, but by a... Uh, by a starter of his caliber, maybe in the top five or 10 of this season. That's how bad it was. Now, don't get me wrong. The defense surely played a great hand in that. They were on his ass all day. Nothing was comfortable at all. And shout out to this secondary for being able to mitigate a Dallas Cowboys passing attack that when they're clicking, they can destroy you. But even with that, under four yards an attempt? he would have had a better passer rating. He would have had a better day if every single time he dropped back, he just swung the ball out to Tony Pollard and let him run the ball. I'd venture to believe if he threw 34 checkdowns to Tony Pollard 
the entire game, he would have came out of there with a higher average per attempt than he finished with. And I'm standing there watching this game. I don't know how you guys felt, but I'm at the game. I'm liquored up. You know, I mean, I'm having the time of my life. I, I, I couldn't even, I, can't, I still can't fathom it. I'm at the game, Caroline and I. Shout out my buddy Schmidt. His buddy hooked us up with some prime seats. Down in the lower 100s, probably the 40-ish yard line, we, we had some sweet seats. Over on the visitor's side, like I said, which, you know, it happened to be a blessing yesterday. That was great. But I'm standing there. got some real cool Bills fans around me, a variety of different types of people, young and old, and then, of course, some Cowboys fans as well, and then Caroline. And I did not get – I've never experienced anything like this. I, I did not get worried once. Not once. The Bills get the ball. They walk down the field and score. Walk. And the tone was set, and it never went away. Me and the guys around us, I've never met these guys in my life. I never got any of their names. Uh, we might as well have been at, at, at a, uh, a condensed version of Mardi Gras inside of One Bills Drive. We were just having the time of our life. I mean, I was getting so fired up. God bless this poor guy. I still feel so bad about it. this old guy. He was having a ball, and I'm just going nuts. And I accidentally, like, go to fist bump him, and I nail him right in the right in the ribs. And he's like, oh. And I'm like, oh, my God, dude, I'm so sorry. I felt so freaking bad. But that's how riled up I was. I was just tweaking, hugging everybody in sight, high five. And it never ended. There was never a moment where we were just like, son of a bitch, damn it all, you know, freaking out. You suck. None of that. None of it. The whole time was just, I can't believe this is This is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. I can't believe this. Is this really happening? Everything was working. Everything. And it never stopped. And we were just having an all-time party in those stands. And it felt like it got to the point where the game was secondary because it was so in hand. Like you almost didn't even have to pay attention at certain times because you knew what was going to happen. Like if Dallas got into a third down situation or if they were on the Bills side of the field, they were not going to move the ball. And if the Bills got the ball, you knew they were going to move the ball. You just knew it. And it never ceased to happen. Every time those two things, everything went according to plan the entire game. And I sit here right now as dumbfounded as I was in the moment where I couldn't believe it was all working that easily. Now, granted, it, it never is as easy as it seems, but that's just how dominant the Bills were yesterday. That looked so easy. I mean, you got the Bills milking eight minutes off the clock, running the ball exclusively on drives in the second half. You have Deion Dawkins taking grown men and carrying them 20 yards down the field like they are a, a a stack of pillows being moved from one room to the next? That was utter domination to the nth degree from a team that everyone had ruled out three weeks ago. And the hard part is over. So we think, knock on wood, not going to do any of that BS. But you all know what we thought the hard part was. And that hard part has come and gone. Post by the hard part was beating Kansas City. Beating Dallas. And they've done both. 
And they did the latter so dominantly that I don't know how you can look around the league right now and find me a team or two that's better than the Buffalo Bills have been playing the last couple of months, or last couple of games, rather. Outside of the Baltimore Ravens, who just continuously win, no matter how ugly or great it looks, I don't know the argument today about a team in the AFC who's playing better football than these Buffalo Bills, and that's why they got to get in. That is why they got to get in. There is something to be said. We talked about this before it even happened. We had said there's something to be said about a team that's playing for their lives for an elongated period of time going up against teams in single elimination games that have not been. If you remember, I referenced the Florida Panthers taking on the Boston Bruins, and I referenced the Miami Heat, both teams from last year in the NBA and the NHL that were down and out towards the end of the regular season, came alive towards the, uh, towards the end of it, made their way in, and made it all the way to the finals. Those are two teams before the year you would never have had penned in to be able to do that. The Bills are a little bit of a different story. You'd have penned the Bills in to be able to at least make the playoffs. Things went south. But this is a team under Josh Allen outside of the first couple of seasons that was a guaranteed playoff team to some degree. And I think when you have that type of team and that mentality, there is a susceptibility of letting off the gas pedal. And we saw that last year. I don't think it's even a debate. Despite winning 13 games last season, that Bills team went into the playoffs seemingly a shell of themselves. And they were lucky to get out of that Miami wildcard game with a win, and it all came to a head against the Bengals where they got the doors blown off of them. This year, if they get in, it just might be their best chance. And it's because this team hasn't had the luxury of taking their foot off the gas. And if you've noticed, over the last couple of weeks, it seems as though their foot not, not, isn't, isn't being taken off the gas. It's being pushed forward a little more and a little more, a little more gas, a little more gas here, a little higher speed here. And if you can take that into the playoffs, as everybody keeps saying, it's becoming cliche at, these, at this point. Nobody wants to see these Buffalo Bills. Nobody. And I don't blame them. If you're going to do what you did yesterday, if you're going to do what you accomplished yesterday without Josh Allen even being a factor. I still, I just cannot believe I stare at these stats. As I talk about on here from time to time, the, the, the reflection between the, the box score and the, and the final score. Sometimes it's very relate, relatable, the two, and sometimes you don't understand how the hell the game got to the total in which it did. This one's a combination of both to me. I mean, let's just talk about the passing game in itself. If you were to cover up the Bills' rushing stats and you were to show me Josh Allen's passing stats, I'll tell you my first guess, and it's horrific. My mind goes here, but how could it not? My first guess would be 7 of 15, 94 yards, one touchdown. Josh Allen got hurt in the second quarter of this game and never returned. 7 of 15? When's the last time Josh Allen had a sub-20 passing attempt game? 
ever. You can't look at seven out of 15 and tell me you don't think Josh Allen, if you didn't watch that game, Josh Allen didn't take the day off some, at some point. Instead, I can't even believe it. They ran the ball 49 times. <laughs> 49 times. James Cook ran the ball 25 times for seven yards a carry. The guy ran the ball 25 plays and averaged just shy of a first down on every single one of them. And the crazy thing is, they get to 266 total yards of rushing. And it wasn't like Allen ran the ball 15 times, and it wasn't like he even ran the ball for a significant amount of yards. Yeah, Allen ran the ball eight times, but none of them were ever anything crazy. They were more situational runs than anything. 24 yards on the ground for Josh Allen. So 49 attempts, 266 yards on the ground. And Allen wasn't a major factor in that either. This was finally a game. Finally. Where the Bills play a decent opponent and Josh Allen didn't have to do a damn thing. And they won. And they won convincingly. You know, people talk about these teams all the time, these other teams outside of Buffalo and why they trust them more. And they trust them more because they could win different, different ways, right? And I understand that. You know, there's something to be said about teams' ab teams' abilities to win games in different ways. Because when you're relying on a certain way to win every time, and then all of a sudden that's taken away from you, you're screwed. The Bills have been far too reliant at times on Josh Allen's ability to just win them the game without any help anywhere else. This is, this is unlike anything we've really seen because not like it, not only was it a game where they won without any help from, or really without any contributions or major contributions from Josh Allen, but they did so in a way where it, it wasn't even like it, it was ever, ever needed. It wasn't even like Josh Allen, Allen had to even have like a decent day. He didn't have to do anything. Nothing. I mean, even the touchdown pass he had to James Cook, yeah, it was a gorgeous, gorgeous throw. 30 yards, it looked like it was 10 yards the way he threw it. But, I mean, shit, James Cook was wide the hell open. Wide open. He just had to make sure it got to him, and he did. And that was his one play. That was, you know, the major, major impact on the game. Other than that, I mean, Allen's biggest impact on this game was making sure he didn't fumble the ball and handing it off to James Cook. And that's what I'm talking about. I've never been more excited to go and pay hard-earned money for a Buffalo Bills game and see Josh Allen be an absolute afterthought. I mean, imagine that. Imagine paying money to go to a Buffalo Bills game. You look at that stat line from Josh Allen, and you're beyond satisfied with it. I mean, I'd sign up for that five, six times a year if it were possible. Now, this is, a, this is a situation like many times where you see these crazy stats and you see these outliers compared to what you typically get from the team. And you have to say to yourself, you know, you can't get used to this. And I certainly, you know, will not. You can't get used to coming up on the precipice of 300 rush yards. You can't get used to dominating the offensive line to that degree. 
you can't get used to Josh Allen going for a sub 100 yard sub 20 attempt day and winning by three touchdowns. But I think what you can get used to is the Bills' ability to rely at times on other areas outside of Allen, where instead of it having to be a 95% Josh Allen offense, maybe it can be a 75%. Hell, I'd take even an 80, 85%. The amount of difference that that can make for this offense could be night and day. And Joe Brady is to be given credit for that. They could have ran the ball to begin the game like they did where they just ran it and they ran it again and they ran it again and they went all the way down the field and they got into the end zone with Latavius Murray. They could have done that. And then they could have said, all right, now it's Josh Allen time. This is his offense. We run the offense through him. It's time to throw the ball 30 times. I I remember specifically talking about the differences between Joe Brady and Ken Dorsey and what needed to change in order for this team to, to right the ship here if they were going to make a run and if they were going to be able to prove that Ken Dorsey was actually one of the biggest issues of this team. We have learned over four weeks. Maybe it wasn't necessarily the, the, the Ken Dorsey playbook or, or whatever. It was Ken Dorsey's coaching in itself. And I think I underestimated just how inept this offense was being called in situations where it just seemed like common sense in the majority of these situations would have prevailed and it would have accelerated this team forward. They seem to constantly grind against the common sense move time after time after time. And it just seems to me like Joe Brady, and we know this to be true because we, they came in against the Jets the first game under Joe Brady with this offense. And if you remember, he was he was asked, you know, what did he talk to Allen about? What did he say to Allen? And he said to Josh Allen, just go be Josh Allen. And I remember thinking at the time, has anybody even said that to him all year? Has anybody just said, hey, just like go do what you got to do? Or was it a bunch of you got to do this? You got to do that. We got to run this certain formation. I mean, don't you remember uh, earlier in the year where it was McDermott who came out and said that they uh, they went away from what was working because they wanted to try different offenses? Don't you remember that? And you're thinking, what? What, what? what the hell are you talking about? What, what sense does that mean? I mean, that'd be a, the equivalent of finding your dream job. You're making a gazillion dollars, and then you quit your dream job to go work, um, you know, to, to go drive an Uber or something. You, you, you're doing a gig job, and you're like, you're like, well, why are you doing that job? You, you just had your dream job. And you're going to quit that to go work one of these gig economy jobs? And it's like, yeah, I just wanted to try it out. I thought it'd be fun. I thought it'd be interesting. What? Makes no sense. Why would you do that? You had everything you wanted. It was working. And you just went to go take on the other gig because it looked interesting to you and you wanted to give it a try? I understand giving it a try. Maybe you have your dream job, making a gazillion dollars, but hey. Something about driving an Uber seems really appealing to you. So maybe you do it on the weekends. Cool. That's great. In the Bills situation, run a couple of plays here and there you wanted to try out. Don't go away from everything else that was working in pursuit of that. But that's what they seem to do far too often. And it just seems like now Joe Brady's like, oh, wow. Drive one. We're running the ball down their throat. We're going to run it until they can stop it. And they could never stop it. So why stop doing it? They didn't. And it was great. It was great. 
And it just seems like Josh Allen has been looser. He's been more comfortable, right? Ever since the Tyler Dunn article, it seems like McDermott's coaching more loosely, more fun, more determined, more confident. I don't know. There's an aura around this team right now that I did not think they would be able to channel. It just felt dead in the water at times this year. And you were wondering how they were going to be able to resurrect this season. And I don't know how else to describe it, whether it's luck or whatever, but it truly seems like the firing of a, of an offensive coordinator who wasn't even on this team for two full seasons. It seems like that in conjunction with a three-part article on McDermott's character, it seems like those two things were thrown into a cauldron, a magic potion was, was casted, and the result has been this, this black magic, so to speak, surrounding this team where everything just seems to be better. Not just on the field, by the way. Everything just, doesn't it just feel better? Don't they just seem better? Don't they feel happier? Don't they feel more inspired, engaged? I don't know how else to describe it. I'm seeing it from the top down, from McDermott down. They just seem like they are having a much better time amongst themselves than they were. I mean, how many times had we talked about Josh Allen's demeanor during this season where it just seemed like you wondered when the last time you saw the guy crack a smile was? I remember how prominent it was seeing him crack that big smile against the New York Jets, and you're thinking to yourself, man, I haven't seen him do that in months. And it seems, obviously, you had the the rut with the way that the Philadelphia Eagles game ended, but it wasn't like... It wasn't like they didn't take that game to the final minutes of overtime. I mean, that's the only thing standing in between this team being undefeated since Joe Brady's taken over. A blown lead in overtime in a 37-34 uh, game. That's the only thing standing between this team being undefeated since that turn. And the point differential in the wins as well has been nuts. I haven't even looked at it. What is it? I have it off the top of my head, right? We got 30, 31 against the, the the Cowboys. You got 32 against the Jets. You had 20 against the Chiefs, right? And then those teams scored 6, 17, and 10. So 27, 30. So in their three wins, so there's been three games since Joe Brady's taken over. Three of the four games they've won. And not only have they won them, they've won them with a point differential of 103 to 33. Which is very similar to what they were doing in weeks two, three, four, when this team looked like the best team in football. It's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. They started pretty well. The medium, the median rather of this team throughout the the. the you know, if we, if we got the sandwich being made here and you got the two pieces of bread and the stuff in between, the stuff in between wasn't, wasn't the highest of quality, but I'll tell you what, that's some damn good bread. Some damn good bread. Well, we're in the pursuit of the dessert right now, right? Just make sure that sandwich is edible enough to get you to the dessert, right? It's like when you were growing up and your mom says, you know, finish your plate, you can have the dessert. Just finish the plate. I understand, you know, the meat, the cheese, the condiments. It ain't the best sandwich in the world. That bread's pretty damn tasty. Clear it off your plate and get me to that dessert. 
because God only knows what the dessert could be. For all we know, it could be uh, it could be that that whatever that some of that cake boss shit. I don't know whatever's good these days. I'm not a huge sweets guy. I can't believe they won that game yesterday the way that they did. I mean, you had people comparing the numbers of James Cook yesterday to Thurman Thomas. Did you think you were ever going to hear that? Did you think in the same game you were going to hear James Cook being compared to Thurman Thomas while on the same breath you were going to hear Josh Allen say, hey, you know, I feel like the kid who didn't have to do anything in the class project and get it an A. I mean, what is going on here? Who are these guys? It was utter domination. I've never, not, honestly, I'm trying to think of games that I, not, not just games that I've been to. I'm trying to think of games in, in general, like watch on TV, whatever. Certainly the only game I've been to where, well, no, that's not true. The, 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 the Patriots wild card game, that was the, the perfect game. That was another game like this where it was just the whole time you're like, I can't believe this is happening. Right. But this was different in the sense that it was it was against the team that you look at in a much higher fashion than you do the, the New England Patriots. I get it. The other game was a playoff game. It's it's different. New England had actually beat the Bills earlier in the year in the win bowl game. That was a game certainly where we were just like, This is the greatest thing ever. I can't believe this is happening. But in a game like yesterday, I think what it, what it comes down to to me the most, because if you remember, of course, in the perfect game, that was just them lighting the scoreboard up through the air. I mean, they were dominating. It was the way that they did this yesterday to hold the MVP of the league going into yesterday and their offense to the numbers that they did and to run the ball the way they did. That, to me, is what's got this you know, in such a different category as far as games I've seen, because I just can't think of a similar scenario. And for it to result in the result that it did to me, is it makes it just that much more insane to be able to just run the ball the whole game. And the other thing, too, I understand there's been games, like as we know, in, in reference back to that win bowl game against those Patriots, where didn't Matt Jones attempt like six passes in that game, something insane? There are games where the circumstance set up for you to be able to run the ball all game and win. But to be able to run the ball all game and score 31 points? Usually if you're running the ball all game, you're lucky you're going to crack the mid-20s, right? Or the or 20. It's not a play style set up to load the scoreboard up. But that just goes to show you the way they were moving the ball on the ground. It wasn't like they were just running it for a couple yards here and a couple yards there and then throwing it, getting down the field, and then repeat. They were running it for what felt like a first down every single time you handed the ball. Every single snap felt like deja vu. It was snap, James Cook. Oh, my God, that's a that's a first down or close to it. Snap. Why not? James Cook again. Another seven, eight-yard gain. There he goes again. There he goes again. Josh Allen, little play action maybe here. Complete. There he goes again. Oh, the Bills are in the Bills are in the red zone. Touchdown. And they had no answer. No answer. I mean, Micah Parsons, did you hear his name once? You didn't hear his name once. 
no impact on the game. They took him away in a beautiful fashion. It felt like they just they just ran away from him. And they didn't even allow him to have the ability to have an impact on that game. Feels like if you allow Dallas, if you allow Dallas to play the type of game they want to play, they will kill you with it. If you allow them to get their defensive front in the backfield all over your QB, they certainly will do it. And they and they will make your day miserable. If you allow them on offense to pick you apart over the middle and allow Dak to just be a surgeon back there all game, they'll do that and they'll light the scoreboard up. But it feels like if you can throw them off their game just a bit, they cannot recover from it. I mean, Mike Mike McCarthy yesterday, good God. Just no answer. You go into half down 21 to three and you come out and you don't score a single other point outside of a garbage time touchdown against the Bills backups and you allow another 10 points to cement the the loss. Just nothing. For a team that had everybody pom-poming about them after that Philadelphia Eagles win, right? For a team that everybody had towards the top of their power rankings, a team that that many would argue would be represented uh, in the NFC Championship, perhaps alongside the San Francisco 49ers coming up. Look, all of that stuff might be true, but they didn't look like a shell of that yesterday. They looked like one of the worst teams in football yesterday. And I think it was 75 to 80% what the Bills inflicted on them. But I think, you know, there, there's at least 10, 20% there of Dallas just showing no heart, no effort, and no great. And if I was a Dallas Cowboys fan today, that is what I'd be most disappointed in. Just an absolute inability to do anything. I mean, I understand the Bills were having their way. But to that degree, you have got to assume that there's some self-inflicted crap going on for that to occur. For Dak Prescott to have under four yards an attempt. For him, of all people, to not even eclipse 135 yards in the air. I took this picture before I left of the scoreboard just because I wanted to verify whatever I saw was real. And I wanted to make sure I kept a a memory of it. When I left, so based on the time remaining... Looks like there was there was probably about 10-ish minutes left or so in this game. And when I left, they had a stat up on the scoreboard of the, the stats for each side. <clears throat> and then they compare them in a, in a grid. And when I left the stadium, the Cowboys had 61 rushing yards to the Bills, 252. They had 31 passing yards to the Bills, 85. And they had 92 total yards of offense to the Bills, 337. Not to mention about 13 minutes less of time of possession. And the score at that time was 31 to 3. That was early fourth quarter. That's a team that all year long has looked like they could compete for the NFC title. That's a team that has under a hundred all purpose yards in the fourth quarter down by four touchdowns. That's insane. And that once again is what I'm just so, I was just so shocked about their inability to do anything. 
And you've watched them at times this year. I mean, like, you know, this happened to them against the San Francisco 49ers. This exact same thing happened where they just got clowned, destroyed. And the odd part about that was that wasn't like it had anything to do with the weather. I mean, that was in San Fran. It was a gorgeous night. They just got killed. But, you know, their only other loss this year outside of that was a really odd Cardinals loss on the road that nobody saw coming. And then that really close Philadelphia Eagles loss a couple of weeks ago that they would go on to avenge last week, destroying the Philadelphia Eagles 38-13. to This game was almost identical to the 49ers game. And the 49ers, we view as one of the best teams, or excuse me, the best team in football. And for the Bills to be able to do something in a similar fashion in that type of environment where it's just so necessary to get that victory is beyond impressive. There are differences between getting out of there with a win and statements. The Bills had to just get out of there with a win. And I've said repeatedly, I don't care how the Bills win games to end the year here because it's we are not in a position to have the luxury to pick apart the intricacies of, of, wins, uh, of wins here when all we need are wins. We can't sit back and bitch about little things that happened here and there if they won because it doesn't matter. They just have to win. Who cares how they do it? Whether it's a domination like yesterday or, you know, Canarius Tony's 10 yards off sides. Who cares? Put it in the left column, move on to the next week. But the statements go further because they, they have to build confidence. How could the Bills not be riding the highest wave of confidence imaginable after what they did yesterday? And then to have the ability to carry that in against a backup quarterback that just lost 63-21 to 21 to the Las Vegas Raiders, the worst loss in franchise history for the Chargers, a loss so bad, that not only their head coach gets fired, but their GM gets fired. And then to be able to carry that into a Patriots game where you know the Bills have been wanting to get another crack at them since they blew that game to them a couple of months ago in Gillette. To be able to continue to stack this momentum, to have the opportunity to do that and then bring that into Miami. You just got to love where this team is at right now. And who the hell would have thought we'd be saying that after there were 12 men out on the field against the Denver Broncos? Certainly not me. I mean, not in this way. Not this way. They didn't show us any reason to think that they were capable of it. Until they did. And they haven't, they haven't not done that since. I understand they lost to Philly. Still racked up 34 points in that game, and it took a 60-yard field goal and overtime for the for the Eagles to beat them. This team has been a completely different team under Joe Brady and since the departure of Ken Dorsey. For whatever reason, I don't care, but they have been. And it's been a terrific watch each and every week, and they've been one of the best teams in football ever since then as well. Can they keep it up, and can they do enough to get in? Only time will tell. But of course, it's been a week-to-week scenario, and they've done what they've had to do. And that's all we could ask of them, right? It's all we could ask of these Buffalo Bills. With the situation they were dealing with, 
just survive till the next week because we don't know how many more weeks we're going to have. And they've been surviving. And with a little help here and a little help there, it's starting to round into form. And we're going to take a look at the current playoff picture in just a minute here. Because as you remember, a couple of weeks ago, we did this together here on the show. And the Bills had a 14% chance to make the playoffs. Wait till you see what they're at today. And wait till you see how much further that goes, depending on how certain situations pan out. It can go up, I think, six or seven more percent with a win over the L.A. Chargers this coming week. And speaking of that game against the L.A. Chargers this coming week, let's go ahead and take a look at what the current betting odds are for that game. Brought to you by the Smoke Break's newest and greatest sponsor, BetUS, where the game begins once again. BetUS, as you can read below you, has a 125% sign-up bonus in the link below you. Go ahead, click that, sign up. You get a 125% sign-up bonus. Buffalo Bills take on the LA Chargers this weekend, and as I keep referring to, Justin Herbert out for the year. They are going to be going up against Easton Stick, which... That experiment got off to a abysmal start last week. That was the worst loss in franchise history for the Chargers. And I don't know if you guys watched that game, but it looked every bit as bad as it, it resulted in. And that is going to culminate, of course, into the spread you're seeing here currently for that game. It's a Saturday night game, so don't forget that. Don't wake up Sunday being like, when the hell are the Bills playing? Oh, my God, it already happened. I'm sure you won't. If you're like me, you're going to be pacing around all day Saturday for this game. But it's a Saturday night game. It's a Peacock exclusive, so get your Peacock subscription renewed. I think if you're in Buffalo or surrounding areas, you get it on NBC. I'm not entirely sure, but it's a prime timer, 8 p.m., Saturday night. On Peacock, and would you look at this? The Buffalo Bills are 11-point favorites. And I got to tell you, folks, this is the first I'm seeing this. 11-point favorites, to me, that seems a little too light. That seems just a little too light. Buffalo Bills going into L.A., and in my opinion, not only do I think we get the W, I think we clear that 11. And as you can see, I just placed... My bet, 100 to win 90 on the Bills covering the 11-point spread against the L.A. Chargers this coming week on Saturday night. And if you're interested in placing a wager of your own, not only on the Buffalo Bills, but any game, including tonight's game, Eagles-Seahawks, which at the moment right now is currently still 0-0, zero to zero, as well as basketball and hockey and everything in between, you can do so at BetUS. Just sign up. With the link in the description below, 125% sign-up bonus. Once you do, you'll be able to place all the wagers you want. Fast payouts, great customer service. BetUS has absolutely all of it, including Bills minus 11 for the coming up week, which I just placed. If you're looking to do the same, hop on at one more word from BetUS before we jump in to the New York Times simulator to check out what the Bills' current playoff odds are compared to what they were just a couple of weeks ago. Here's BetUS. BetUS, America's favorite sports book, where you can bet on everything, anytime. Sportsbook, casino, horse racing, live betting, and more. We have the best bonuses in the industry. That's right, get a 125% sign-up bonus. 
And to celebrate our 30-year anniversary, we are giving up to 30 risk-free bets, a truck, Super Bowl tickets, and more. Don't miss out. Play smart. Join now. BetUS, where the game begins. Where the game begins, BetUS. Link in the description below. 125% sign-up bonus. Make sure to take advantage of it. All right, so Buffalo Bills obviously win yesterday. Not as much help as we would have liked over the weekend, by the way. I will say the Minnesota Vikings really did a royal screw job on us. Thanks so much for not being able to uh, maintain a two-touchdown lead, was it, in the fourth quarter to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. So the Bengals, they get to eight and six as well. Uh, the the Steelers never had a prayer beating the, the Indianapolis Colts. They are just dead in the water. How the hell... They were as they had the record that they did for as long as they did. Insane to me. But ever since Pickett's gone down, they have just fallen off a cliff and they're all but done. But Indy gets another game up. Now, that one wasn't the worst situation in the world because um the Steelers still needed to lose a game or whatever in order to get out of the current picture. So that didn't hurt as much. The nice one came Saturday night with the Denver Broncos getting their ass handed to them by the Detroit Lions. They got absolutely bullied. So a couple of things that did help, but the Vikings did not do us any favors at all. And um, the Titans, who I'm looking at it yesterday, right? And I'm thinking, based on the score I had seen, or am I talking about the wrong? Am I thinking of the wrong team? No, no, I'm right. Yeah. So the Titans, when I had last looked at the score, I think before going into the game, it was like 13 nothing Tennessee, and I'm thinking, all right, you know, C.J. Stroud's not playing. Texans have a backup. Titans got a two touchdown lead. Thinking they knock off Houston, that would not go on to happen. Houston ends up edging it out, getting the victory similar situation with the Chicago bears. I thought the Chicago bears last I had checked, they were up on Cleveland. They would take care of the Browns. Weren't so lucky Browns get out of there with a 20 to 17 win. That doesn't do the bills any favors either. And then we all know that by now that the, uh, you know, the, the dolphins beat the crap out of the New York jets. And then what was the other one that I thought would maybe go in our way, but did not um, certainly miss it. I, I was all over the place in the lots yesterday. It's tough to keep track of these 1 PMers when you're at the game. There was one other one. Oh, um, not that it really would have helped us at all, but I, I remember just seeing that the, the Patriots were up like 10 to seven on the chiefs. I was like, Oh, this is interesting. But obviously chiefs got out there victorious. Not that that matters a whole lot. It's just interesting to watch how the chiefs season is going to end the way that this, playoff picture is coming into formation. So let's go ahead and speaking of which take a look at the current playoff picture as it stands right now, according to the New York times simulator. And as we know, a couple of weeks ago when you were on with me and we went through this extensively, the Buffalo bills were at a 14% chance to make the playoffs as it stands right now with this past weekend in the books, the Bills are currently at a 71% chance. So they have essentially quadrupled 
their odds to make the playoffs in just a couple of short weeks. Honestly, even less than that, I believe. What's even crazier is I think three-ish weeks ago, maybe two-ish weeks ago, you could have bet $100 for the Bills to make the playoffs, and it would have paid you $400. They were, they were 4 to 1 to make the playoffs, plus 400 Today, to make that same 100 you'd have to bet 200 The Bills are minus 200 favorites to make it. Things have changed dramatically. The combination of the Bills winning, Miami losing that game to Tennessee last week, a couple of other handful of things happening going in the Bills' direction, and look out, here they are. So 71%, as you know by now, the best path, of course, is for the Miami Dolphins to lose one of their next two and then have the Bills win their next two, go into the Week 18 matchup, Bills-Dolphins, and have that winner be the AFC East champion with the automatic bid, getting either the three or four seed, I believe, however it winds up mapping out. That's the best path in. In my you know, best estimate, I think that's the most likely scenario. I mean, I want you to ask yourself, right? These are the Bills' next two games. Bills at Chargers. As we just went over over on BetUS, the Bills are minus 11. They are well over a touchdown and a field goal favorite against a backup quarterback that, as I keep mentioning, because I still can't believe this happened the other day. I mean, for God's sakes, they were down 42 to nothing at halftime against a team with the same record as them. A team that had to fire their coach midseason. They lost 63-21 to 21 to the Las Vegas Raiders, a team the Bills beat by what felt like 100 points back in the beginning of the year. So do I think the Bills beat them? I do. Yeah. I know that's a crazy take. And then it's the Patriots, right? It, it's, it, seems, it seems like it's crumbling even harder than it, than it was seeming to be crumbling earlier in the year. And it's been crumbling all year long. But now with the released leak, so to speak, was it that the you know Belichick is is officially gone in the eyes of Kraft at the end of this season? It's, they're just waiting for the season to end. The way that they've been playing, I know that they beat the Steelers last week, but they did themselves no favors, obviously, in the in the pursuit of maybe keeping a Bill Belichick when they went into play Kansas City this past weekend and kept it close for a bit, but then inevitably got rolled. They're not a team that I can possibly fathom beating the Bills twice. If that happens, then they don't deserve to go to the playoffs. If the Bills lose twice to the New England Patriots, they do not deserve to go to the playoffs. It is simple as that. And as I mentioned earlier, I can't possibly foresee it. They should never have lost to them earlier in the year. I still, to this day, cannot fathom how that happened. It is the most questionable loss of the entire season to me. It has not gotten any more logical to me as time's gone on. Usually as time goes on, things might click more. It never has. It never has. Still makes no sense to me. This game's in Buffalo. The Bills know how much it means. And they also have probably had that game circled since the last one ended because how could you not? That was an embarrassing ass loss for the Bills. About as embarrassing as, as it gets all year, really, for any team. You know they'll be ready for that one. Especially if it's the last time Sean McDermott ever scores off against Bill Belichick, you know that's going to mean a little extra for sure. So what I'm getting at is do I think the Bills win that game too? I do. 
So do I think the Bills win the next two? I do. So I think it's quite likely that they go into Miami at 10 and 6. Now let's talk about the Miami Dolphins. Everyone all of a sudden up, back on the Dolphins train. Let's just forget that they blew a two-touchdown lead with three minutes left last week to lose to a rookie quarterback, Will Levis, and a Tennessee Titans team who hadn't won a game on the road all year long. Let's just pretend that that didn't happen because they beat the Jets 30 to nothing, right? Miami has maybe the biggest implosion in NFL history when you look at the, at the numbers. I believe I saw a stat where teams prior to the Dolphins last week who went into the final three minutes of a game with a two-touchdown lead or, or larger were like 700-something and oh, it had never happened. And not only had it not happened, there were like 700-ish games prior to it that that did happen where the result never drew a loss. That was an historic loss. But I'm supposed to forget about all that because Tua played well without Tyreek Hill against a Jets team that just officially got eliminated yesterday. You know, I'm supposed I'm supposed to all of a sudden now I'm like I have to be happy for Tua because he played well without Tyreek Hill. I mean, what what what, what how much does that say? Every, everyone's like raving about the fact that he had a decent game without him. Like, congrats. You know how often these quarterbacks have to have a decent games, good games, without anybody remotely close to the caliber of Tyreek Hill who could potentially be the MVP today if voters made, put him in? I mean, my God, nobody else has a Tyreek Hill. I'm supposed to be giving Tua his flowers because he finally played a good game without him? I'm supposed to forget what happened to the Miami Dolphins last week as they beat the Jets? No. This team has the Dallas Cowboys coming up next who have got to be infuriated after this past weekend. At least you'd hope they'd be if you were a Cowboys fan. And guess what? I'm a big old Cowboys fan this week. America's team, baby. Let's go. Let's go, boys. Let's go, Dallas. Come on, baby. Flash the, I don't even, do they, I can't make a star with my hand. I, I thought for a second in my mind I could make a star with my hand. Then I realized I don't think that's possible. Um, You know, Dak for MVP this weekend, back on the train. We're big Cowboys fans this weekend, folks. Big, big time. And I would imagine we're not going to get the egg laid by Dallas this coming week like they just did this past week. If we did, there's bigger problems at hand in Dallas than than meets the eye. But if I go back and look, and I'm almost positive about this, I don't believe the Dallas Cowboys have lost two straight all year long. And I think after a loss, you know, they haven't. So they lost to the Cardinals, would beat the Patriots the following week, 38-3. to Lost to the 49ers. A close game, but a win nonetheless. Now, granted, it was on the road, and which, which concerns me a bit about this weekend, I will say. Something about this Cowboys team on the road, man, it's just different. Like that Patriot game was at home, 38-3. to This Charters game was on the road, 20-17, to yet still a win. 
they would lose to the Eagles at home against the Giants 49 to 17. So they have four losses this year, two games right after a loss, they would go on to win by like 70 points. The one other example, however, is the one that might be most representative of this coming weekend. It was on the road. It was against the Chargers, and they won by three. This game is in Miami. As a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan this week, that concerns me. I don't know how to explain it. This team is just a shell of itself on the road. That's why I've been so perplexed in talking about how poorly they played against the Bills this past weekend. It literally felt like just a a drizzle of rain This team is a drizzle of rain away from being the worst team in football. It doesn't make any sense to me. How you can be the best team in football in certain conditions and quite literally the worst of the weekend with a little bit of rain is crazy, crazy. But luckily, the conditions at Hard Rock Stadium should not be all that different than the dome conditions of AT&T Stadium. It's in Miami. And unless it's pouring rain, I don't know if it's going to be or not. I doubt it will be. They should be set up to be able to play the type of ball they're accustomed to. Also, if it's pouring rain, the Dolphins will be at just as much of a disadvantage as the Dallas Cowboys are because if you think Dak can't throw in the rain, trust me, Tua Tungabailoa can't either. So it'll all even out. And why will it even out, you ask? Because these two teams are the frauds of their conference, and everybody knows it. And anybody defending it now, I just don't know what legs you're standing on anymore. It makes no sense to me how you can continue to defend these teams. Dallas, every opportunity you've given them outside of the Eagles game last week, which is why I thought going into this week against the Bills, maybe things are different for Dallas a bit. That's a game that they lose just about every time. And not only did they win, they dominated, but they reverted right back to what everybody thought of them. And that's big moment, big game, especially on the road. They're going to be inferior and they're going to lose. And that's why I said at the top of the show, I thought, I thought that they eliminated a lot of the goodwill they bought in this league over the last month or so. Because you you know how it is, it's like the, it's like the equivalent of uh, gaining and losing weight. Real easy to gain weight, real hard to lose it. Right? It's almost the opposite in this scenario. Real, real, real hard to win games in the NFL, but real easy to lose your way. Real easy. It's hard to stack wins. It's hard to stack respect in this league. Gain it and be a team that other opponents fear. Real easy to lose it with a game like they had yesterday. The Miami Dolphins have been a team all year long where they get up against the team they should be, and not only do they beat them, they throttle them, but when they get up against a team like the Eagles or the Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills, they have imploded every time. However, the Dallas Cowboys, outside of their victory against the the Philadelphia Eagles last week, have done the exact same. It's an incredibly interesting game. And, and for those reasons, I feel like it's going to be very close. I feel like it's going to be a battle of who wants to lose this one more, and we'll see who comes out on top of that type of battle. But I personally think that Dallas is the overall better team, and if you got a team coming off a 30-point victory versus a team coming off a damn near 30-point drubbing on the road looking to try and avenge that, I think it slightly leans in Dallas's favor. But it is on the road. We'll see if that continues to impact the Dallas Cowboys negatively even though the conditions shouldn't be a factor at all. But that might not even matter because even if the Miami Dolphins are able to get a victory over Dallas this week, which in my opinion, I don't see it. I got Dallas winning this coming week, but say it doesn't go that way. They got to play the Baltimore Ravens. 
And in that particular circumstance, I think we all can agree the Baltimore Ravens are the superior team to the Miami Dolphins. And that would be the perfect type of game where the Dolphins go in and lose. And I'll give them, I will say this to summarize it all. If the Dolphins win the Cowboys and the Ravens game, then they deserve they deserve the ultimate praise, in my opinion. They deserve the ultimate respect, unconditional respect. You no longer can continue with the same narratives that we've been dogging on them with all year long if they win these next two games. Because not only are they against two of the league's best as far as records are concerned, but obviously they're against two teams with winning records, a thing that uh, an accomplishment they have not had all year long. But they're in circumstances where we're coming down to the wire here, and these games matter more than any others. They're almost like playoff-type games. And for the Miami Dolphins losing that Tennessee game last week, these games matter a hell of a, a, hell of a lot more than maybe they would have. And if they want to win the AFC East, they have got to win these two games to clinch it. So we shall see. The Miami Dolphins can completely change the narrative around in the next couple of weeks. Will they? Is to be determined. But if they don't, and I don't foresee it, I think they lose one of these next two. Week 18, Bills, Dolphins, essentially becomes a playoff game where the winner is crowned the AFC East champion. Let's go to the ESPN simulator. I like this one better because it's more, it's better visually. I wish you know, one thing I wish would happen here. I wish that like the New York Times simulator and the ESPN simulator, I wish that they would have like a baby. And that baby would be the visuals of the ESPN with the percentage predicting tool that New York Times has. All right, so let's just say the Eagles win here, whatever, who cares? And here we go, we move on. Let's just run through this real quick with the updated games to see what happens. So we got, let's go Chargers. We got to go Bengals, unfortunately. We, we probably want Pittsburgh to win, but um, I just don't see, I don't see it happening. They've been terrible. Um. Just running through here real quick. Mainly, we just want to get to the scenario where the Dolphins lose one and the Dolphins win one. So as you can see in this quick simulation we just did, if somehow, some way, the Bucks can beat the Jags this coming week. The Bills would be in the playoffs already this coming week. This is what I'm seeing from this. If the Bucks can somehow beat the Jags, I don't know how likely that is, but hey, I've seen way crazier, believe me. If that somehow happens, and apparently the Bills are in this coming week alone, if all these other things happen. Um I don't foresee that, though, so let's not go with that. We're going to do this scenario first in which 
the Dolphins lose the remaining games. Colts have been a real pain in the ass, too. Let me tell you what. They just can't lose. Gardner Minshew can't lose. It's unbelievable. Denver. Wouldn't mind them losing another one, too. Let me tell you that. The amount of eight and six teams just coagulated at the bottom is nuts right now. Has it ever been tighter? Seriously? The playoff race? This is a crazy-ass year. Okay, so you knew this by now, but this scenario right here has the Dolphins losing their next two, the Bills winning their next two, and with the tiebreaker, that would effectively have the Bills at the fourth seed going into Week 18 against the Dolphins, where, of course, this game will determine the AFC East champion. Let's let's go through the remaining Week 18 games here, and then we'll go back and change a couple of things. We'll change the Dolphins, you know, getting a win here or there, and we'll see how much it affects things. And obviously, you have to factor in that not all these games are going to go the way I'm picking them. Um, but it seemingly does not. It, it, at the end of the day, because everybody keeps asking me, you know, what's got to happen? What's got to happen? And I try to tell them all these different scenarios. But the one thing I just keep saying is, um, look, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. The Bills just need to win. And if the Bills continue to win, they're going to be in. Don't worry about anything else until the Bills, if and when the Bills lose. Until then, don't worry about anything. God, this will be interesting, by the way. Just for a game that matters none, right? Bills or Jets, Patriots, Week 18, potentially Belichick's last jo- uh, last game coaching. Okay. So here's what it would be with the Bills winning out, the Dolphins losing out. This is what it results in. My God, that would be a fate worse than hell for the Miami Dolphins. To be knocked down to the seven seed when you were staring the one seed in the face and you got to go to Arrowhead. Oh. Oh, boy, that would not be good for the, for the Dolphins fan base. Let's go back and see what happens here if Miami wins one of these. Okay. They win Dallas. It doesn't matter. Wow. How is that even possible? I didn't know that. So apparently whatever I clicked on, it doesn't matter worth a damn. So long as the Bills just went out. But it doesn't matter worth a damn for the Dolphins as far as being the seventh seed or not. Wow. So you mean to tell me the Dolphins are going to have to win two of these three? Or they're going to have to, yeah, they're going to have to win two of these three to not be the seven seed? I mean, they could be screwed. I mean, I look at, I, I hate to, I hate it. I, I, I don't really hate it, but I kind of do because this is, I mean, this is, this is hilarious. 
Is it not hilarious? These guys talk the most shit I've ever seen. Ever. I don't ever talk shit. Ever. I think it's I think it's dumb. Because you're in sports, the more shit you talk, the more you're always going to look like an idiot. Because inevitably it's gonna come back to bite you. You can't be like New England where you're just constantly winning and therefore you never have anyone calling you out on anything. With everybody else, the more crap you talk, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass. And if they go from talking the world's amount of crap that they did all year to being knocked out of the seventh seed, having to go to Arrowhead, oh, my God. All right, let's go through and let's look at some questions that people might have and and, and try to address those just to see what comes of what. Because obviously, you know, you got to tweak around with this a little bit. Um, Kingpin is asking Pierre's asking if there's any scenario where the Dolphins don't make the playoffs I'd love to find that scenario I will say though based on this I'm guessing there's a scenario where you know they lose out and then one of these other teams wins a game I'm not sure who that might be but another one of these teams you know wins an additional game and they get in, maybe it would be the Bengals. No. I feel like it's weird that nothing's changing. Okay, there we go. I just wanted to make sure something would change. So this is crazy to me, though. This is crazy. Even if, and I'll, now granted, once again, I always have to preface this, even I always have to preface that I, I chose random games. God only knows. But even if Miami like wins one of these next two that I just don't think that they will, and the Bills win out, like they're still the seven seed. Now, in this scenario, however, whatever, whatever I just did here. Oh, okay. This is where it gets interesting. Okay. So if the Dolphins somehow beat the Ravens. The Chiefs, those sons. See, now I can't I can't root for that to happen. I don't want the Chiefs getting the one seat again. They don't deserve it this year, damn it. If the if the that that also includes the Ravens. I have the Ravens losing to the Niners this coming week. That's a tough game. But maybe they win that. But if the if the if the bank if the Ravens lose two of their next three and the Chiefs went out, and the Chiefs are going to win out. They have a cupcake-ass schedule to, cl- to close it. I mean, unless they piss themselves, I don't foresee them not winning out. So if it, that that's how that happens. The Ravens lose two of their next three. One of them would probably have to be against the Dolphins, and then the Chiefs went out. They'd be the one seed. So in this scenario, somehow the Dolphins beat the Ravens. Chiefs become the one seed. Ravens bump down to the five. I would not like this. No thanks. Do not want this one. Before anybody says anything, oh, bot scared. Nope. I just prefer better things than this. We'll address them when we have to. I'd rather not address them in the wild card. Why? Because they're probably the best team in the AFC. I'd rather, you know, I'm sh- I know we can beat them. I'm not saying they're not going to not beat them. But I'd rather delay it a little bit is all, you know. No, I'm just saying it's not the ideal first-round game is all. But I don't think it's going to happen because they're beating Miami. 
And this to me is just all time hilarious. If this occurs. So Pierre really wants to know how Miami doesn't make it. And I got to fulfill that request because I also really want to know how they don't make it either. Let's go through and find a way. Um, yeah, I mean, like, like, like Laura's saying to answer everybody's questions. Like, yeah, no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not afraid of playing Baltimore. I don't think anybody's defended Lamar Jackson better since he's gotten into the league than the Buffalo Bills. They've done an extraordinary job of containing him when they've played and the Bills have a winning record against Lamar when they have played, including a playoff game. But it doesn't take away from the fact that they've been playing probably the best football in the AFC collectively all year. And I would much rather play the best team in the AFC as late as possible if doable. Now, granted, it doesn't matter. You can catch one of these teams who doesn't look good on paper uh, and, and they could, they could whip you. You never know, but on paper, you want to map out the, the, the best looking situation to me, the best looking wouldn't be Baltimore off the gate. But at this point, guys and gals, I don't care. Get them in, get them in. I don't care. You know, really at the end of the day, I really don't care. Get in. Let's get the dolphins out. How do we do that? Let's see here. Um, so that's not it. It's got to be quite unlikely if I can't just like find it. Anybody got any ideas? I'm shocked Denver doesn't get in in one of these scenarios. What are they at down here? Yeah, I don't why does Denver not get in in any of these scenarios? Miami must have all Miami must have all of the tiebreakers because I have Denver at 10 and seven, which would be tied with Miami, but there's no scenario where that gets them in apparently. All right. So let's say Stroud comes back and we do Houston beats Cleveland. They beat Tennessee and then they beat Indy. Does that, there it is. <laughs> you guys were dead on in the comments. There it is, Pierre. Take a picture. And that would also mean Houston comes to Buffalo. How ironic. The first playoff game for Josh Allen, he went to Houston. And in this scenario, the first playoff game for CJ Stroud, he would come to Buffalo. I don't foresee this, but a healthy CJ Stroud led Houston team could do this. Just don't know how, how much I trust them without, you know, they lost tank Dell and they're banged up in other areas as well. That would be interesting though. Um, the other scenario I wanted to go through real quick. Let's just go back to where I had. Um, 
Oh, you know, Houston can still get so this game. What this this is another one too, as you can see here, in um in week eighteen, another big one in the AFC. Uh, it looks like Indy Houston could come down to um getting into into the playoffs as well. That could essentially be a playoff game in itself. I'm stunned at the lack of scenarios that have the Broncos getting in on this. I mean, they're you know they're, they're sitting at ten and seven with a couple others, and there's really no other tie-breaking scenarios where they get in. Um. All right, so let's just say I haven't tried this one out yet. We have the Bills. Um, we have the Bills beating the Chargers, obviously. We have the Bills beating the Patriots. We have the Dolphins losing to the Cowboys. We have the Dolphins losing to the Ravens. Let's go to week 18, and, you know, let's just pretend. Let's go to pretend land and say, you know, to uh, summons some sort of, I don't know, some sort of divine entity, and it has the game of his life, and they, and they beat the Bills. Let's see what happens. Don't like that. Don't like that. Nope. Don't like that. <sighs> Every scenario I've done, like it, it hasn't mattered what the Bills really did before Miami. They, they just have to beat Miami. Right, I, I, I think some other crazy stuff would have to happen for that not to be the case. This is how Denver gets in. Ah, I know what happens. We would need Denver to lose one more, folks. The Denver Broncos team I watched play this past weekend—they looked absolutely abysmal. Now let's look at the Broncos upcoming. It's it, the problem I have is it's just so easy. Right, Den- Denver's got to play the Raiders. That will that will be their that will be their toughest game. Yes, as mi- as Mr. Clayton is saying, yes, it's a divisional game. That will be their toughest game. Ironically, I'm assuming if things go the way we intend them to, this game will be over prior to the Bills Dolphins game happening. The Bills will know if they have a playoff spot or not going into this game. I feel like it's all but known at this point that this is going to be the flexed primetime game week 18 if it ends up mapping out to where this game is for the division. I think everybody knows that this is going to be the primetime game. Therefore, this Raiders-Broncos game would have already happened. The Raiders beat the Broncos. The Bills are in. And wow, you know, back to Arrowhead again. Back to Arrowhead again for another Allen Mahomes showdown, another Allen Mahomes playoff showdown. This would be the third. But this is assuming the Bills lose the biggest game of the year to the Miami Dolphins. It's nice to know that if a fumble is in the cards, a Broncos loss could help the Bills get in. But you just don't even want it to come down to that. I will say, if I go into 
whenever this game might be, right, Sunday night. If I go into the Sunday night knowing that the Raiders just beat the Broncos and I know, hey, deep breath, the Bills are in. Let's go win this division. I can't lie. I'm going to feel way better about that. If I can just be like, pressure's still on. You want the four seed. You want the division. But if something catastrophic happens here, they're in. Thank God. I'll take that. I'll sign up for that other, uh, as opposed to the other scenario where it's like, oh my God, everything's on the line. Everything's on the line. Everything's on the line. And you know, that's probably what it's going to come down to. And I'm already freaking out about it a little bit. I've been freaking out about it for weeks. And the crazy thing about this is it all essentially predicts who's going to play Miami or excuse me, Kansas city. So if Denver, if Denver wins and the bills win, they're the four seed Miami seven seed. They play KC. If Miami wins and Denver loses, the bills play KC. Miami's the third seed. How about we try a scenario where both happen? where the Raiders beat the Broncos and the Bills beat the Dolphins. Same thing. So it doesn't matter. This doesn't change anything. The Bills would still be the four. I thought maybe that might bump the Bills up to the three, but Jacksonville has the head-to-head with Buffalo, so that's why that would make sense. The Bills could be at four. Saw someone asking earlier if there was a possibility of the Bills being able to be the two seed. There would be, I'd imagine, and I think that would have to be Actually, I don't know if that's possible. I think there's a possibility of them being the three seed. I think if Kansas City loses one, oh, that doesn't matter. I thought if Kansas City lost one, maybe Jacksonville would jump, but I forgot also, that's right. KC beat Jacksonville earlier in the year. They would have to head-to-head. So pretty much any scenario you're looking at, the Bills, most not only most ideal, but most likely scenario, is the four seed. The other scenario that's most likely, but just not as nearly as likely, the seven seed. Um, I mean, just keep winning. You know? I really hate all this stuff. I really don't give a shit about any of this. I can't stand this. It used to be fun when you were mapping out like hypotheticals that were never going to happen when the bills were like, you know, two and six or whatever. Just get the hell in. This team right now is way too damn good to not get into the dance. So keep winning. Get your dancing shoes fitted, and we're going to go into that, baby, and we're going to be doing the tango, the salsa. We're going to be doing all of it. All of it. You just got to get invited first, okay? Bills are too cool, too popular to not get invited to the dance. And they got one step closer. Yesterday. God, that was just the most gorgeous. That was just gorgeous. Who would have thought you could stand outside in a rainstorm for three hours, four hours, whatever it was, and just have the time of your life? The funny thing about the brain, 
The Bills lose that game, right? That would have been the most miserable experience ever because they lose and it's in the rain. The Bills win that game. It's like even a heightened experience because all of a sudden the rain becomes like part of the, the story. It's more fun. The trials, the tribulations, the psychology of a sports fan. It'll never be understood. But hey, I understood that W. Okay. It's a big old dub in the books. And one more closer to get into the dance. This is the end of the smoke break tonight. And as I look up at my calendar, I'm realizing the next time we're supposed to do a smoke break, Santa Claus is going to be in town. So keep it locked on my Twitter, at ZBot Tweets, and I'll keep you updated on what we're going to do for the next smoke break. You know what we'll do? You know what? I'll I'll just tell you right now what we're going to do because I just thought of this in my mind because I'm a genius. The Bills play Saturday, right? They play Saturday. I'll be doing a smoke break Christmas Eve. How about that? Bills play Saturday, 8 p.m., Sunday, Keep a lookout on the YouTube page and the Twitter. I'll put out the link, but at some point during the day, Sunday, we will be smoking them up. Smoke break on Sunday, special Christmas Eve edition. And hopefully we'll be celebrating a dub. We'll look uh, even further down the line towards the playoff picture. And we'll celebrate Christmas live on air together. How about that? I'm looking forward to it. So I'll see you then Christmas Eve. Come and join me. Get a little eggnog. We'll spike it up. We'll knock them back. We'll talk a little ball before Santa comes to town. Can't wait. In the meantime, enjoy this one. This was a special one, an outlier. Not going to see many of these type of wins. So enjoy it and enjoy the rest of your week, of course, as well. Happy early holidays. We'll celebrate those holidays together on Sunday. Once again, shout out to BetUS. 125% bonus in the link in the description below. Make sure to click that on your way out as well as the subscribe and like button if you haven't already. And until Sunday afternoon, I'm out. Enjoy the rest of the week, folks. And as always, go Bells. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.